Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. We are in a new series called The Arrival. Say The Arrival. It's another word for Advent. So if you've been around church any time in your life, uh, you'll, you'll have hear, heard a message called an Advent message or an Advent series right around this time of the year. Uh, it's, just, it's just another word for the arrival or the coming. Uh, it emphasizes the time of the anticipation of the birth of Jesus, but it is actually more than that. Advent isn't just a month of anticipating the first arrival of Jesus. It's also a time of looking for his second arrival as well, the second coming of Jesus. Advent or Christmas is all about anticipation. Say anticipation. You're going to hear that word a lot today. I literally uh, waited for hours at the top of the stairs when I was probably four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four, probably all, all the way through, right? I mean, until I got over, I mean, I need to sleep in a little bit, but I was so excited sitting at the top of the stairs waiting for Christmas. Um, hours before, you guys. Maybe you did too. Um, and I, that, that was so impactful to me that I can actually see myself right now sitting at the top of the stairs anticipating Christmas morning. Anticipation defined the act of looking forward. The feeling of excitement about something that is about to happen. And I believe with all my heart, God wants you and I excited about the future. God does not want you living with dread or fear or suspicion of the future. He wants you and I looking forward with anticipation. So I want to help build that today because when anticipation is birthed, it delivers future vision. And without anticipation, without future vision, people struggle in many ways. They get discouraged, they feel defeated, they get lost. But anticipation will cause you to see further into the future. You know, sitting on those steps, I was actually seeing myself opening presents before anybody was even up. I'm like envisioning. I didn't know what they were going to be. I didn't know how many were there. But I knew I was going to open at least one. As a matter of fact, I was, I was actually anticipating that on December 1st. You know, in our house, uh, my mom uh, always got this, um, this huge calendar in, for December. And in it, there were usually like little chocolates. And you, every day, December 1, you'd, whoever got there first would open up that December 1. And they'd pull that chocolate out and eat it. But uh, I remember that calendar always made me frustrated because I thought, man, it's, 30, it's 25 days away, you know, but it also brought me in, like, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. But I was seeing it December 1st. That's what anticipation is, it's actually looking forward, seeing something that's not here yet. So let's build our hope because it's really hard to miss, uh, miss anticipation during Christmas. This season is filled with it. It's almost like things change naturally. Most people are nicer. I said most. <laughs> LOL. Most people are more generous. Most people are more willing to help those in need. It seems there's a natural anticipation in the air. Well, that all started with Jesus. People were desperate for arrival of something good. And oh man, did they need something good. 
I just want to make sure that's not Jesus calling. Um, pick it up if it is, because I, I, will, I will preach something different. No. <laughs> they needed something good. You know why? It was tough living at the time of Jesus' birth. I don't know if you knew that. Let's look at this. Most lived in extreme poverty. Most were uneducated. The, the, the Roman government at that time was extremely oppressive to the people, and the people were carrying a weighty financial burden through the heavy taxation from the government as well. King Herod was a paranoid and suspicious leader. He ruled with tactics using fear, fear mass terror, and widespread surveillance. When he heard the rumors of another king being born, he ordered the massacre of all Jewish babies to the age of two, forcing families to flee for their safety. It was an extremely difficult time. So you can understand the desperation of the people for a savior, a deliverer, the need for something good. Remember, Advent or the arrival is not just having anticipation for Christmas. It's having anticipation for a second coming as well. No doubt, times are tough in these days. Come on. But I believe a time of desperation is a building block for hope. And it is a catalyst for a miracle. If you look in the Bible, you can always see that whenever somebody needed a miracle, any kind of miracle, the, 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 the one key element was desperation. Desperation. We live in a time of desperation, but actually God is saying, I want you to have anticipation for God to deliver something good because that's always his heart. So let's start here. Let's look into the future for a moment. Did you realize that about one-fourth of the entire Bible is prophecy, meaning predictions of the future? And 90% of all of that prophecy is about the second coming of Jesus. 90%. So it's crystal clear that Jesus will arrive a second time in the future. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you, and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. This is Jesus talking. And then this in Revelation twenty two twelve. 12. Look, I'm coming soon. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. That's why it's so important as Christians to, to let the Holy Spirit flow naturally to do good works for people, to do things that are good, to be kind and generous, not, not to be fuddy-duddies or, come on, but to really open up our generosity for the people around us, your family, just to <clears throat> give them a hug, encourage them. These are the days that those things are needed the most right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus is arriving again a second time. Question is, are we ready? Here's a phrase I say from time to time. <clears throat> Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <clears throat> Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So uh, well, let me just give you a picture. Parents, those of you who have... Uh, kids and sports, and I've, this happened a few times with me, when all of a sudden we're just rushing, we gotta get Levi or Arnold in to a certain place at a certain time, they gotta get there for the meet or for the game, and all of a sudden we're just rushing out of the house, and we get there, and we forgot something. Shoes, uniform, ball, money, kid. 
It happened, not at a ball game, but it happened once when, when Emily and I were, were at, at church. We've been in ministry for a long time, but I remember we didn't communicate who was going to take the kids home that day. And so she's home. I got home. I'm looking around thinking, where are the kids? She goes, where are the kids? I said, where are the kids? She goes, where are the kids? <laughs> we get a call from, excuse me, from church. Um, just like, you know, I'm still hanging around. Your kids are still here. <laughs> Nobody's at church. I said, oh, yeah, Emily forgot. <clears throat> Went and picked him up. Still happening today, right? Adam and Eve, it was the woman's fault. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it wasn't. It's was my fault. Matthew 24, 42 says this. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Truth is, we may not know the day or the hour, but we can certainly know the season. We can see the obvious signs. Jesus taught us that. Just look around. We're closer than ever before for a second arrival. So let me build your anticipation with a few facts, a few signs of the times, because his second arrival will be marked with signs and wonders. They've been predicted in the Bible for thousands of years. Jesus refers to these signs as birth pains. Birth pains. You don't have to say amen to that. They would increase as the time drew near. And it's amazing to see, in my view, the acceleration of these signs, especially within the last 50 to 60 years. Jesus spoke of these signs, and they're actually some difficult signs. Wars, famines, earthquakes, and outbreaks. And other signs like increase of knowledge and travel and the rebirth of God's nation, Israel. Those would be some of the indications of a second arrival. And really your homework today is to go home and read Matthew 24. Say Matthew 24. Go ahead and read that. And Jesus shows us what's going to be happening in the last days. So within the last 500 years, all of the signs that you'll see in Matthew 24 that Jesus talked about have actually increased. And actually they've increased dramatically over the last 20 years. We are seeing an acceleration in all these things, wars, famines, earthquakes, and outbreaks. An increase of birth pains. You guys still with me? And how about this sign? So those are some of the signs. We won't dive into those. I just want to give you a couple today. How about the sign referring to the last days? God speaks to Daniel in Daniel 12, where it says this, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when, say when, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Let's call that a knowledge of, an increase of knowledge and travel. Just think about it for a moment. In the 1900s, only just over 100 years ago, we were horse and buggy. Now, jets, bullet trains, rocket ships, really just in the last 50 years. Electricity. Many people know that, but in, 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 the, in the 20s and 30s, only half of America had electricity. So, uh, Saturday, we, we, we were uh, doing a memorial for um, someone's, someone's mom who passed away, and, uh, and the power was out. Like, we did the, we did the funeral. It was, it was interesting because the, the lights, the, there's no power, and we have some emergency lights, and those only last about an hour and 15 minutes. 
Um, and so there was no power. We, it, but I'll tell you something, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. It reminded me when the power went out when I was young, you know, in, in our homes. And all of you put out the candles and you just played games, right? It was just a real genuine, authentic moment. But we don't realize that, that even electricity and what we have today has, has, has just happened more recently than you can imagine. How about knowledge? Knowledge doubles every three months. That's what they say. Knowledge doubles every three months. There, there, I said this before, there's, there was more new information released in one year than all of history combined because of the internet and social media. You guys getting with me? Follow me? Knowledge increasing. Daniel said it, in the last days we'll hear, uh, many will rush around and knowledge will increase. How about technology? Man, computers, credit cards, cell phones? I don't know about you, but how many remember this phone? How many remember that? Remember that? Like, you, you know, come on, you, and you, and you, if you missed one, you had to go back and do it again. Then they finally came out, well, it, it, with, with something a little more, you know, easier. But how about this? Remember the phone booth? That wasn't that long ago. Get in there, put a dime, 15 cents, 25 cents, I think 35 cents, they've maxed out there. And then we start moving into, into the future. And this was the first cell phone, you guys, the very first cell phone. It actually had a big, huge bag attached to it, right? Come on. A huge, huge cell phone. That was the first cell phone. And now we're kind of moving into the future. Look at this, probably the, a new product coming out. I don't know if that's true, but that might be a cell phone coming up in the future. We're moving fast technology, and possibly we could get here, right here. That, that could come. <laughs> a little tiny cell phone. Next thing you know, that thing's probably implanted in your finger. Um, in 1984, 40,000 people used that big honking cell phone that we just saw. Now, 6.4 billion people have cell phones. That's 80% of the world. Do you think there's an increase? Come on. In, 19, in 1860, the French chemist Marcel Berthelot said regarding the rapid acceleration and advancement of science and technology in 1860, he said, it's my belief, let's try to, I think he's, that the, when the world reaches this stage, God will come down to earth with his big ring of keys and will say to all humanity, gentlemen, it's closing time. <laughs> See, but for the Christian, it's just the beginning. We have the anticipation of living for eternity in a place where no war, no famine, no earthquake, no outbreak, no sickness, no disease. It's a perfect place. It's paradise. Because I'm not trying to scare you. I'm hoping to build your anticipation for his arrival. Because we're in a time like never before. If Jesus is getting ready to come back again, that should actually heighten our anticipation. That should give us more joy if we're seeing things with the right perspective and a hopeful heart. Luke says this in Luke 21, 28. And at last, when you see how the Son of Man comes, surrounded with a cloud, with great power and miracles, in the radiance of a splendor, and with great joy and praises, it will make you jump for joy. I was hoping you would jump for joy. I don't know. 
Isn't that awesome? Listen, it should make us get excited. Now, that was the future. Let's head back to the manger for a minute. There are some key elements, some building blocks to see your anticipation grow as you go because the truth is there's one thing the enemy would love to steal from our lives. It's anticipation. It's, it's, it's the excitement about the future. He wants us to get stuck looking around at things that actually can drag us down. He wants us to get around people that don't really celebrate, but they just tolerate or hate. Listen, we have to be people in these last days that have anticipation, right? I'll show you how to get there. Luke 2, 25 to 38. At that time, by the way, of the birth of Jesus, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man, and he was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and it revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when, Jesus, when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's the glory of your people, Israel. And I would imagine that Simeon, after waiting so long and seeing the promise fulfilled, probably, probably said that with even more excitement than I just did. Verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Verse 36, here's another person that comes on the scene, Anna. Anna, a prophet, who was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Look at this. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer while that's dedication. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Can you imagine the joy Simeon and Anna felt upon finally having this hopeful expectation fulfilled? It must have been jaw-dropping. If you ever had jaw-dropping moments in your life, that's when I met Emily, I couldn't speak. When, when I met Anna, Lynn, and Levi for the first time, speechless. So, here we go. Let me give you a couple things and I'll get you on your way. Unless you want to stay day and night 
like Anna did in worshiping the Lord. <laughs> I'm just saying that that lady was awesome. Um, Luke 20, well, we got to get going uh, eventually. Look, Luke 2, 25 to 27. Look at this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, here we go. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Let me just say this first. If you want your anticipation to build, you and I will need the help of the Holy Spirit. He's real. He's God. The Holy Spirit is real. We need him. The Holy Spirit is the engine of your anticipation. So the Holy Spirit uh, was on him, verse, 20, verse 25, verse 26, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as, as the law required, the Holy Spirit's the engine of our anticipation. He will start you up, he'll get you going, and he'll keep you going. And maybe you're here today in your anticipation needs a little maintenance, like mine has throughout the years, right? Just invite the Holy Spirit, the great mechanic, to put some much-needed oil in the rusty places, in the areas that may have seized up over time. So what I want to do in just this moment, we're, we're going to continue, I want to invite the Holy Spirit, if we can, in this moment. And I would ask you just, just, to, just, to, uh, just to lift up your hands. Now, as believers, we just prayed a prayer. The Holy Spirit lives in us. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon us because that's, that's the key thing. Simeon said the Holy Spirit was upon him. There must, there's a difference between having the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. Like he just wants to overwhelm us. So here we go. Just pray this prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you and I invite you to lead me and guide me to fill me up to overflowing in Jesus' name. Amen. And when you invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you, then I think it's important to listen for the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we need to get really good at listening as well, right? Listening for the clues, listening for the stirring, the awakening, the rustling. When I was at the top of the stairs, that's all I was doing. I, was, I had a vision in my mind of opening presents, but I was listening for mom and dad. Or Santa Claus, if you want to believe that. <laughs> mom and dad. Mom and dad, listen, to start getting the coffee ready. Back then it was Folgers. You know, opening up a cupboard. And when you heard it, you're like, oh, oh my goodness. It's getting, only got two more hours. You know. The Holy Spirit is the key to the, your anticipation. He'll lead you into hope. Not away from hope. He will lead you into anticipation, not away from it. So what else can I do, Pastor Dan? What can we learn from Simeon and Anna? Let me give you this. This is what I know about anticipation, if you want it. They waited with anticipation. They waited with anticipation. This is so important. Waiting seems to be a lost art. In our day and age, but waiting is so important to God. As a matter of fact, listen, waiting is a way God renews our strength and our vitality. Rushing and running around will actually zap us of our strength. They waited with anticipation. 
How in the world could she go that long after losing her husband year after year after year after year, worshiping, fasting, and praying, going to church every single day because she had anticipation? She waited, though. Have you ever noticed a three-hour football game only has about 11 minutes of action? 60 minutes of commercials, a 20-minute halftime, 90 minutes of waiting for the play to start, and only about 11 minutes of action. See, life can be a lot of waiting and little action. <laughs> but waiting will ignite your anticipating. I believe the secret to our future is found in our daily waiting, the daily routine. Look at Anna. Here, here she is, Luke 2.37. Then she lived as a widow at the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting prayer in Simeon in Luke 2.25. Look at this. At this time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He was in the old, his old age. He was like, I, I, once I see him, I'm gone. Waiting can be tough to do, but here's what I want to tell you. Listen, waiting can be tough to do, but listen, that's where God gets most of his work done. Did you know that God gets most of his work done while we wait? I didn't think you want to hear that today, did you? But this is true. This is true. While we wait. So many great leaders have learned this. Here's one, David, Psalm 40 Verse 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. What did he do? He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He was giving me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. And they'll put their trust in the Lord. Woo! God gets most of his work done in the waiting. <laughs> I've learned that lesson, that hard lesson, rushing, right? Rushing in, get excited about something. And that's, excitement is good, but, but not just hold back, wait, hold your ground. So I want to just show you a couple things about this verse, and I'll let you go. Psalm 40, look at verse 1, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. A couple things I want to show you. Translated, I waited patiently, means in waiting, I waited. Do you, do you see how painful that can be? In the waiting, I waited. <laughs> you ever felt that way? It's like you're just trapped. All you can do is wait, but that's good because God's working. So the word actually has a triple meaning. And, and let me just break it open for you because the Hebrew word is a, is, is a, is a picture. When you, when you crack open a word, it gives you a picture. Here's a picture. The first meaning of that word means to bind together by twisting. Remember the game Twister? Anybody ever play that, right? Come on. You, you, you get a bunch of people on a, on, a, on a mat and you start twisting and you're all 
twisted up, you know, and it's some, sometimes it's painful, especially if you're getting a little older, and, and you're, you're twisted in there, and people are laughing and they're crying at the same time. Sounds like waiting, right? See, when, when you wait, God is making you one with him. He's twisting you as you're trusting him. He's conforming you while contorting you. <laughs> There's definitely some pain in that process. To bind together by twisting is the first meaning. The second meaning, it means to gather or collect. This is what I love. In other words, while you're waiting, God is collecting. He's collecting your prayers. He's collecting your tears. He's gathering the right people. He's forming divine connections. He's opening new doors, creating new opportunities. All in the waiting. And the final meaning of that, if you do your research, it means to dance with joy. Makes sense, right? That's what, that's what David did. He said, I, I waited, I waited, listen, I waited for the Lord. Now, now, now he, here's where the struggle is. See, if you're waiting for the phone call, the text message, if you're waiting for everything to work out just fine, if you're waiting for, if you're waiting for all that stuff, you're off. Wait for the Lord, right? Wait, wait on the Lord because People are imperfect, they're going to let you down. They're not going to get back to you when you want them to get back to you. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, sometimes they forget. Broken people, right? Don't wait on people. Don't wait on people. Wait. Look at verse 1 again. Psalm 40, verse 1. We got to look at that again. As we're, I waited patiently for Emily to help me. I waited patiently for Uncle Bob, Aunt Susie. I waited patiently for my mom and my dad. Nope. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And when I pa waited patiently for the Lord to help me, he turned to me and heard my cry. See, one of the, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make <laughs> that I've learned in life is that when times get tough, we actually run to somebody else first. That's actually the biggest mistake that we can make. Now, God has grace for that. But what I want to encourage you to do is whatever you're believing for, whatever you're trusting God in, wait patiently for the Lord. The Lord, amen? The Lord. Because in time, you will dance with joy when he shows up and shows you what he did, how he worked things out while you were waiting don't let the rushing zap you of your strength. Find rest from the Lord and rest in your soul. And you'll find out that God has a perfect plan. It's amazing. The anticipation of Christ's birth wasn't just for nine months in Mary's womb, but for thousands of years. Think about it. If I were God, at least I'm just telling you if I were God, when the fall of mankind happened, I would have said, let's get to work. Come on. Give me a week. Give me two weeks. We'll get Jesus here. We'll get the Savior here. We're good to go. No, no, no. He didn't do that. He waited a good 4,000 years, God did, to build anticipation and some desperation. 
Letting people know that you can't get to heaven on your own. You can't get to heaven by the law. You can't get to heaven by your good works. I'll show you how to get to heaven. And it's through one person named Jesus. He's got to be the sacrifice once and for all. That's what God was saying for 4,000 years. Things look messed up. But God said, I got a, I got a promise of a Savior coming. But you're going to have to wait with anticipation. Just wait. Look for the signs. Listen for what's happening. I know it's hard to wait, but let me encourage you to wait. Let's do what Micah did in Micah 7, 7. Look at this. But as for me, I will look expectantly for the Lord. And with confidence in him, I will keep watch. I will wait with confident expectation for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. My God will hear me. That's what Micah was saying. He was confident. He was confident. So I got a few other things, but I just want to stop right here. Um, I don't know what you've been, been waiting. I don't know if, where you're at right now. If you're discouraged, if you're, you feel like you kind of lost uh, the anticipation. Um, but I just want to pray over you that you would leave with hope and you would leave knowing that God loves you so much. God has a plan for you. And don't, don't worry about, try not to worry about the future. You know, about Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. He said, just, 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 just try to live in the moment. Go home today. Enjoy your family, right? Enjoy each other. Love each other. Lions play today, by the way? Do they play again? Pray for them to win. That'd be a miracle. Um, but like, anticipate. When you come again to church, you don't have to come in with your head hanging low, hands in your pocket. I don't know if there's anywhere in the Bible that's a scriptural way to worship God. <laughs> Usually it's hands lifted up, it's bowed down on your knees, or it's flat, face flat on the ground. And I know we do sometimes, but, ne- but when you come in next Sunday, would you come in anticipating? Would you do that? God has something for you. Today, God delivered something to you, right? I know he did. Hope is letting you know things are going to work out. Come on. So next Next Sunday or whenever you come again, you know, I know your hands are cold, just warm them up. Come on in, lift up your hands and say, God, Christmas is coming. It's going to be good. May not be perfect, but it's going to be good because Jesus, you already came. And Lord, my life is going to be good. You know why? Because Jesus, you're coming again. And you'll take me home with you. And you know what? If you think this is good, <laughs> you will be amazed at what God has prepared for us, for those who love him.
those who call on his name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for this day. And I pray over every single heart, every single person right now in this place. And I pray, God, for anticipation and hope and blessings and power and, and, and mercy and grace. And, um, Lord, that you would just... You would, just, uh, you would just speak to their hearts like Emily's word that said, said hey, she hears the bell. She hears an invitation. She hears, she hears something in the spirit, and you hear something in the spirit. You are hearing something. God is, is, is bringing you good message today. So, God, we leave with that today. I thank you, God, that you continue to knock on our hearts, continue to lead us to look forward into a future that is good, filled with your glory and miracles, signs and wonders. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.